Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. It's good to be here. Glad to be here. With you. I am really, really thankful and really excited to jump into this journey that we're taking through the Gospel of John. Today we're going to launch into John chapter 1, verse 1. But I want us to gain a a little bit of perspective first. Augustine said this, he said, John's gospel is deep enough for an elephant to swim and shallow enough for a child not to drown. So whether you're watching online or in person today, if you are new or new-ish to the whole church thing, to the whole faith discussion, I want you to know that I've been praying for you. And I believe that as we take this journey through John, Jesus is going to introduce himself to you. Which is a big deal. Because it's important to know what Jesus said. It's useful to know what Jesus did, for sure. But when you get to know who Jesus is, that changes things. That changes everything. It changes your past, your present, your future, and your eternity. And if you are not new or newish, you can go into church for a long time, whether you're online or in person. I'm telling you, this journey through John, Jesus is going to reintroduce himself to you. Think about it this way. The the, the concept of getting to know Jesus, it's not a one-time thing. It's like a lifelong journey. We're going to get to know him better and better and deeper and deeper. And I think as we do we're gonna find that our gratitude grows. Our passion grows, our joy. Our joy is restored and our difference is shattered. The Protestant reformer Martin Luther said this, should a tyrant succeed in destroying the holy scriptures and only a single copy of the epistle to the Romans and the gospel according to John escape him, Christianity would be saved. So if every Bible on the entire planet was gone and all that was left was one copy of the gospel of John and one copy of the New Testament book of Romans, Martin Luther says, Christianity would be just fine. So what we're talking about in this journey through John is important and it is profound. There are four New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Gospel means good news. They all tell the good news of Jesus. Now, there are some scholars who say, well, since John is the last one listed, and indeed the last one written, here's what happened, that John read through the contents of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then he filled in the blanks when he wrote his Gospel. And there is actually something to that. But it's important to note that the last chapter of John's Gospel, John said this, There's not enough paper in the world. There's not enough pens. There's not enough poets. There's not enough writers. There's not enough word processors to really, really capture, to tell everything that there is to be told about Jesus. So more accurately, we might say this, that John would have seen the contents of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then was inspired by God to fill in those blanks that we most needed to not just know what Jesus said, not just to know what he did, but to know him. 
the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known as the synoptic gospels. Synoptic means literally to see together. To see together. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke basically say, this is what we saw Jesus do. And this is what we heard Jesus say. And for that reason, the, the, the contents of Matthew, Mark, and Luke very much are common. And then along comes the Gospel of John. 90% of the Gospel of John is unique to John. See, because John's goal, inspired by God, is that we would, yes, know what Jesus said, Absolutely, and know what he did. But more than that, John wrote his gospel, was inspired by God to write his gospel that we might know who Jesus is. That's the most important question that you and I will ever face, the most important question that you and I will ever answer. Who is Jesus? And I love that we get to begin answering that again with John chapter 1, Verse one, in the beginning was the word. John starts out his gospel with a parallel to the first four words of the Bible. Genesis one, verse one. In the beginning, God. John starts with a parallel to that. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word is Jesus. Jesus is a human expression of the word of God. Jesus is a human expression of the word of God. So God looks at you and he looks at me and he says this, how can I express my love to you in a way that you would understand? How can I express my grace? How can I express my mercy? How can I express my joy? How can I express my hope? How can I express my plan? How can I express my power? How can I express my victory? How can I express my salvation in a way that a guy from Red Deer like Mike Manis could actually understand it? And God sent his son, Jesus, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. Some scholars suggest that this is a bit of an oversight by John, actually. He didn't even introduce himself. He jumped straight into in the beginning was the word. He should have introduced himself first. I would suggest to you that it was not a oversight, but that it was very much intentional. That John meant to start his gospel this way. In the beginning was the word. It was intentional that he jumped straight to Jesus. I'll give you three reasons why. Two I'll tell you now. The third one I will tell you at the end of the sermon, which will be about two hours and 46 minutes from now. And you're laughing, which is funny. Okay, so. Reason number one. John doesn't introduce himself because he wrote this gospel in about 85 AD. He's an old dude at this point. And the greatest spiritual authority on the planet. So as this eyewitness account was to circulate around the world in the first century, John literally needed no introduction. The second reason that he made a point of not introducing himself, but to jump right into in the beginning was the word, well, let me explain it this way, with a question. Have you ever been, have you ever been disappointed by somebody, or maybe even by a church, who claim to represent Jesus. Have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever been annoyed? Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been wounded by a person or by a church who claimed to represent Jesus? <clears throat> Standing up here, I would tell the honest truth, I have. I've been disappointed, I've been annoyed, I've been frustrated, I've been wounded for sure, but let's take that a step further because I love Jesus. 
I'm following Jesus, and I am an imperfect representation of Jesus, and here's the ugly truth. People who have come in contact with me have walked away disappointed from time to time. I know for sure that I've frustrated and annoyed people in the past. I know that one for sure, and even left them wounded. So John says this, in the beginning was the word. John says, don't look at me because I'm going to let you down from time to time. John says, hey, can we move beyond the disappointment? The disappointment is real. Can we move beyond the annoyance? Can we move uh, beyond the frustration? Can we move beyond even the wounding? And can we just talk about Jesus? Because there's a lot of imperfect representations out there of him. Some doing a better job than others. But John says, hey, instead of worrying about all of them, let's get right to him. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What a powerful representation of the Trinity. Now, I could preach on the Trinity for the next seven years, and at the end of seven years, you and I would look at each other and say, we're just starting to kind of get it. But let me put it this way for now. One God, three persons. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father... God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all living in perfect, unbroken relationship with one another. Really important. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all living in perfect, unbroken relationship with one another. Therefore, what you and I need to understand is this, that we've been created in the image of a relational God. We need each other. We need people. Extroverts get this, right? They're all like, yes, I love it. I just love being around people. I'm an introvert. We don't get it quite as much. Like I remember in March of 2020 when COVID kind of shut the world down. I had a whole bunch of people in my life say this, man, I was made for COVID. I love it. I love COVID. I love the quarantines. I love the restrictions. I love the isolation of COVID. I love it. I was made for this. And here's the truth. You weren't actually. You weren't actually. You were made, created in the image of a relational God. We all need each other, right? Like extroverts can be around people like all the time. Introverts less so, but we still need each other. A couple weeks ago, I went out for breakfast with a friend of mine. <clears throat> Known this guy for a long time. He was a youth leader when I was a youth pastor. So we had breakfast, and as an introvert, I found myself kind of surprised because I didn't want the breakfast stand. I just wanted, didn't want... Now, the truth is, the omelet that I had was absolutely unbelievable, but that's not the whole reason. We just sat there talking talking about God's faithfulness in the past. Talking about our family and our marriages and our friends in the present and then our dreams for the future. And I didn't want it to end, but eventually he had to go run his business and I had things that I needed to do. And I walked out and I sat in my car for a little while and I thought, what just happened there? And so then I asked myself, well, when's the last time that I went out for breakfast with somebody? 
I thought, well, it's the same guy. Last time I went up for breakfast, I went with this guy uh, four years ago. What I'm saying to you is isolation happens fast. Isolation happens fast. You tell me I was made for quarantines and isolation. I tell you, no, you weren't. We need each other. Introverts and extroverts unite to some degree, okay? We need, we need each other. I think you need to get intentional about it. We talk about a couple ways that you can even do that at Southside. We have serving teams. Become a part of a serving team or jump into a small group. It's a big deal. You were created in the image of a relational God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The, John is starting his gospel out by saying this. Jesus is God. Jesus is God, because back in 85 AD, there were people saying things, and there are people still saying things like this today. Jesus was a great moral teacher. Jesus was an interesting philosopher. Jesus was an awesome thinker. Jesus was a really, really effective guru, but he wasn't God. John says, no, no, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let's not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Lewis went on in a later essay to say this. <clears throat> he, Jesus, was never regarded as a mere moral te teacher. He did not produce that effect on any of the people who actually met him. He produced mainly three effects. Hatred, terror, adoration. There was no trace of people expressing mild approval. Talked about this last week and I'll repeat it again this week. One response, when you really get to know Jesus, one response that you will never have is indifference. Mild approval. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. That's good to know. Through him all things were made. That Jesus specializes in beginnings. Jesus specializes in new beginnings. That's great news for you and me because I think for all of us, there's some area of our life that we would love a new beginning. The other day I was working on my iPhone and I kind of wrecked it and I had to find this button that said erase and restore. Don't you kind of wish we had a button like that in our lives? Erase and restore. Erase and restore. There's so many of us here today who would say, if you were completely honest, man, I really want a fresh start. I want a fresh start in my marriage. I 
want a fresh start in my family. I want a fresh start with my kids. I want a fresh start with my emotions. I want a fresh start with my career. I want a fresh start with my friendships. And it's really good to know that Jesus specializes in new beginnings. But I think there's a part of you and there's a part of me that we think, I don't know. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that means he's old, right? And you know what they say about old people? You get kind of grumpy, like, get off my long guy. You know what I mean? Get off, have you ever met get off my long guy? The other day I was taking my dog, Rue, for a walk on the trail beside the river. And she went off the trail a little ways, and uh, she, uh, she peed, okay? She, she, she peed. And I'm sitting there kind of looking at the trees while Rue is peeing, and I hear this voice from an older lady, and, and she says this to me, I hope you're going to clean that up. <laughs> She's peeing, okay? So I'm like, I got all these funny, like I'm turning my head, and, and all these thoughts of what I'm going to say to this lady when, 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 I, when, I, when I meet her eye are kind of all these funny things, like maybe you could show me how or something like that, right? But I turn my head, and I look at her, and she's fierce, she's grumpy and intense. And I'm like, yes, I am going to clean up after my dog. Yes, I am. I just said, yes, okay, a little white lie to save my life on the trail. I did it, okay? And I think that's the end of it, but it's not. Because as she keeps walking away, she's staring at me to make sure I do it, okay? And I got a poop bag in my pocket, and so she's looking at me, and I'm like, so I just bend down, I put a couple pine cones in the bag, okay? I don't know. But I think there's something about us that we look and go, oh, come on. Like, Jesus is old. He's like, get off my lawn, guy. He's like, clean up after your dog's pee, guy. You know what I mean? Like... He's so sick of giving me a fresh start, so sick of it, a second chance, a third chance, a 5,420 second chance, he's done, he's done, he's old. But I wanna tell you something about Jesus that you need to know. He's not old, he's eternal, and there's a big difference. He's not old, he's eternal, and there is a big difference. G.K. Chesterton said it this way, because children have a bounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. Is it possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun? And every evening, do it again to the moon? It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old. And our father is younger than we. Could it be that he never gets weary of giving you a fresh start? Could it be that he never grows weary of giving you a second chance?
few weeks ago, I couldn't figure out why I was always so grumpy after I did my devotions in the morning. Just really grumpy. Don't think that's like the stated objective of doing your devotions, like become a jerk early in the morning after you read the Bible and pray, okay? But that's what was happening. And so I sat there one morning and it hit me. Oh, I know exactly why. Because this is what I was doing every single day when I did my devotions. I was assessing myself at the end of it. You know what? When I was reading the Bible, I didn't lock in. I wasn't nearly focused enough today when I read my Bible. Not nearly focused enough. My mind was wandering all over the place. And then when I prayed, I don't know, like I, I don't feel like I prayed with enough intensity. I don't think I prayed with enough faith. And, and you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure that when I was praying, I was praying for too many things about myself and not enough things for other people. So as I get done my devotions this lovely morning, I would give myself about a 72%, a C plus. As an aside, have you ever thought about this? If you, if you talk to other people the way that you talk to you, you would get punched in the head daily. And you deserve it. If you talk to other people the way that you talk to you, you would get punched in the head all the time. You know what's pretty heartbreaking about that? Is sometimes when we talk to ourselves like that, we start to think that's the way God talks to us. Could it be? Could it be that the same God who never grows weary of giving you a fresh start loves, loves to spend time with you? Could it be that the God of the universe delights in you? Doesn't walk away from the time that you spent with him going, ah, I don't know. Could have been better. No, God delights in you. He's not old. He's eternal. There's a difference. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Again, this is not John the disciple who wrote this gospel, okay? This is John the Baptist. This is Jesus' cousin. This is the one that God sent into human history to prepare the way for Jesus, to announce the arrival of Jesus, okay? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. I think about that phrase a lot. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I think that's really important. Like to me, when I think about light, I think of three things. I think of life, revelation, and direction. When I think of light, I think of three things. I think of life, revelation, and direction. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light is life. Light is life, and life overcomes death. A while ago, I was talking to 
to a guy. I don't know him that well, but he started out the conversation by saying, you know what? You used to be really energetic. And, 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 and he, when he said that, I thought, well, that's nice. I mean, I don't really know you, but that's nice that he has that memory of me being energetic. But he continued. He said, you used to be really energetic. You used to be really enthusiastic. You used to be really joyful. You used to be a lot of fun. And at that point, I kind of felt like grabbing him by the neck, okay? And, and, and the reason why is because there's this unstated question hanging in the air. What's the unstated question? What's happened. Life happened, brohawk. That's what happened. That's what I felt like doing. You used to be really fun. You used to be really energetic. You used to be really enthusiastic. It kind of discouraged me because I walked away going, yeah, I I think I did kind of used to be. And then life happened. And then something real interesting hit me, and I think you're going to love hearing this. You know, we said earlier that Jesus isn't old, he's eternal, there's a difference. Remember that? Okay, you're not old. You're not old, you're eternal, there's a difference. Oh, your body's wearing out. But you are an eternal soul. You're not old, you're eternal. So what that means to me is that when you get to know Jesus, as we get to know him deeper, he can restore our life. Right, our enthusiasm, our joy, our faith, our gratitude, our fun. Life overcomes death. Light is life and light is also revelation. Revelation overcomes frustration. I got a hate-love relationship with golf. Okay, the game of golf. And you notice I said hate-love? I meant to say it in that order because I mostly hate it. I really do. I, I, I try to quit golf all the time, but Corinne says I'm not allowed to because it's my only hobby. So then I keep golfing, and every once in a while I'll golf well for a little while, but then I just go in these long stretches of just horrifyingly bad golf, okay? Like I feel like taking my clubs and wrapping them around trees the entire round. And a few years ago I was golfing with some buddies, and I had a bad round of golf, okay? <clears throat> and I four-putted, four times, and three putted every other hole. Now, for those of you who don't know golf, I've already like annoyed you and frustrated you by even bringing this example up, but let me try to explain it, okay? When you golf, if you like hit your ball up onto the green, a one putt is awesome. Okay, so your ball's up in the green, you take your putter, bing, one putt in the hole, awesome. Doesn't happen very often, but it's really, really great. The, the goal mostly is just a two-putt. You get your ball up in the green, you two-putt it. That particular round, I three-putt every single hole except for four, I four-putted. I think that's the worst putting display i personally ever heard of. So I get to the 18th hole, I'm stick-handling my way around the green, okay? And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I finally put the stupid ball into the stupid hole, and one of the guys I was golfing with looks at me and he says, wow, it's weird. Did you know that you missed every single putt to the left today? No, I didn't, right? Because golf takes a lot of focus and I'm ADHD, so I don't do a lot of focusing. So what he was saying was on this particular day, something about my alignment was forcing me to miss every single putt to the left. That's frustrating. 
say, why did we tell you that? Why did you tell us that story, Mike? No reason. I just felt like I needed to get it off my chest. And if you ever see me on the golf course having a hissy fit, now you'll know why. No, no, no. Here's why. Life's like that. Life is like that. What did Einstein say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. Like, to get done your life and go, are you kidding me? I was missing every putt to the left. How frustrating would that be? You know, the guy that continually, you've seen him, he just wants to date the bad girl, right? That's what he wants. That's what he's attracted. I just want the, and over and over and over again, he keeps wondering, why does she keep beating me up and stealing my car? Because you keep dating the bad girl. <laughs> or the girl that has like a, one criteria for the guys that she'll date. I got one criteria, I'm pretty fussy, here's what it is, he's gotta be hot, you know, that's it, he's gotta be hot, and it's like, so is hell. Maybe we should look just a little bit deeper, just a bit, you know, if we could just go a little bit deeper. But what have you got through your whole life, and you're like, I've been missing every putt to the left. That's frustrating. That last one hit close to home, there's a lot of people <laughs> chuckling nervously. Okay, so. But revelation overcomes frustration. Jesus isn't going to let you do that. Like there's people and you see them, right? They're stuck. They can't let go of the past. Maybe they can't forgive themselves. So they just spend their whole lives feeling this sense of regret and shame and condemnation. Or or there's others that can't forgive others. And they get this overwhelming sense of bitterness. And, and, and the heartbreaking thing about that is they can't take hold of the beauty of today because they're clinging with everything inside of, me, inside of them, the hurt of yesterday. Jesus isn't going to let that happen. As you get to know him better, he's going to give you revelation. He's going to show you the areas of your life that you need to change. The patterns, the behaviors that you would look at and go, objectively speaking, I keep hurting other people and hurting myself. Light is revelation, and revelation overcomes frustration. And finally, light is direction. Light is direction, and direction overcomes confusion. Some people are really spontaneous, spontaneous people. At like 11.45 a.m., you go to them and say, hey, what are you doing for lunch? And they say, no idea, let's see what comes up. And you look at them and say, yeah, but you're not sharing my lunch this time, buddy, because you never plan, right? But then you got the planners, Right, like the decade at a glance planners. You say to them, hey, you, you, you wanna hang out sometime? They're like, I have an opening in 2047, and I'd love to, it's like, forget it. Forget it. But whether you're spontaneous or whether you're a planner, we all wanna know that we're, we're making the right steps. We're moving in the right direction. Right, the spontaneous people want to know what's my next step. Planners want to know, okay, I'm aimed that way. Is that the correct direction or do I need to make some course corrections along the way? Jesus says, when you get to know me, when you get to know me better, what's going to happen is I'm going to keep giving you one next step at a time because his direction overcomes confusion. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind, like father, like son. Generous inside and out, true from start to finish. John pointed him out and called, this is the one. The one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me, has always, been, has always had the first word. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest, in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Can you believe that? Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into your neighborhood. Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into your neighborhood. See, God knows you and he knows me and he knows we could spend our whole life striving striving and trying to earn light and trying to earn life and trying to earn salvation and try to attain to a higher level. And the whole thing would end in frustration. So Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Jesus came to where you and I are so that he could bring us to a place of revelation, so that he could bring us to a place of light, so he could bring us to a place of life, so that he could bring us to a place of adoption instead of isolation. And when he came, when he came to our neighborhood, he came full of grace and truth. He came full of grace and truth. I think there's a truth for all of us deep down inside. Like when you put your head on the pillow just before you fall asleep, there's a truth that hits me. And the truth is this, I need more. I need more than this world. I need more hope than this world has to offer. I need more life than this world has to offer. I need more joy than this world has to offer. I need more, that's the truth. Honestly, Jesus came full of truth, but he also came full of grace. So if the truth is this, I need more, you know what the grace is? Jesus is here, and he's the more that you've been looking for all along. He came full of grace and truth. Here's the truth. Honestly, I'm desperately in need. I need help. I need more than this world has to offer. The truth is, I need help. I'm desperately in need. You know what the grace is? I'm desperately, eternally, unequivocally loved. Desperately in need and yet desperately loved. Grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth. So I told you that I found three reasons why John didn't start out his gospel by introducing himself. And I gave you the first two, the first two. Number one, John really didn't need a lot of introduction back in 85 AD. Secondly, he wanted us to look past our disappointments, past our frustration, past our wounding even, and go straight to Jesus. But there's a third reason. 
you know, if you read through all of the Gospel of John, and we're going to, <laughs> if you read through all of John the disciple's writings, never once does he introduce himself. Ne- never once does he mention his name. But maybe I'm a little incorrect. He, he does introduce himself, but not according to the name John. Five times in the Gospel of John, John does refer to himself, and here's what he calls himself. He calls himself, I'm the one, I'm the disciple, Jesus loves. John says, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that I want you to know about me, one thing, if there's one thing, more than my name that my mom and dad gave me, if there's one thing that I want you to know about me, if there's one thing that I want to define me, if there's one thing that I want to hang my hat on, if there's one thing that I want to walk around believing and knowing every single second of my life, here's what it is. I'm the one, I'm the one Jesus loves. It's amazing that John walked with Jesus and he talked with Jesus. He saw Jesus perform miracles. He heard Jesus preach sermons. He was there when Jesus died. You know, all the 11 other disciples had scattered, but John was there at the foot of the cross. And Jesus looked down from the cross and he said, hey, John, I need you to look after my mom, okay? See, that's, that's what you say to your best friend. And, and, and then John was there when Jesus stepped out of the empty tomb and defeated death. And here's what I really, really, really need you to hear. I said it last week and I want you to hear it again this week. John was inspired by God to write this gospel so that you would know Jesus the way that he knew Jesus. So that you would understand Hey, the one thing that you can hang your hat on, the one thing that you can carry around with you every minute of every day, the one thing, hey, lots of things in this world you can be unsure of, the one thing you can be absolutely, positively, completely sure of is this, you are the one he loves. You are loved. I don't know what they've been saying to you, More than that, I don't know what you've been saying to you. I don't know who you are, where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what you've heard. I don't know your scars, but I know one thing about you for sure. You're the one. You know who you are? You're the one Jesus loves. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Jesus Christ stepped into human history on a rescue mission. And here's something about you that maybe you've never thought of before. If you were the only one in history who needed to be rescued, he would have come just for you. And that same Jesus died on a Roman cross so that you could get past your past. Our sins forgiven, our hurts healed, moving on, leaving our regrets and our baggage behind us. But here's something that maybe you haven't thought enough about. If you were the only one in history who needed to be forgiven, if you were the only one in history who needed to get past your past, he would have done that just for you. Why? Oh, you're the one he loves. Who are you? Oh, you're the one he loves. And then he rose again. 
that we too could rise. Strength for today. Holy Spirit, strength for today. Hope for tomorrow and the promise of eternity. But here's something that maybe you haven't thought enough about when it comes to you. You know who you are? You're the one he loves. If you were the only one who needed salvation, he would have rose again just for you. You're the one he loves. That's why John didn't start out his gospel by introducing himself. Because he wants you to know Jesus the way that he knows Jesus. He wants you to understand how loved you are as he understood it. So why don't we close now? If you don't mind, let's take a moment of reflection. If you could close your eyes and bow your heads, I would love that. Whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person, I just want you to know you're so loved. So fully, completely, absolutely, unequivocally, totally loved right here and right now. Not some future version of you once you get all your crap squared away. Not some past version of you before you did that one thing that you regret. No, right here and right now, you are completely and totally loved. You are the one he loves. He came for you. He died for you. He rose again for you so that you can move past your past. Strength for today, hope tomorrow, the promise of eternity. Everything that needed to be done has been done. The next step now is yours to accept. If you've never accepted what Jesus purchased for you through his death and resurrection, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. You are so incredibly loved. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if today is the day that you wanna take hold of it, you wanna accept what Jesus did for you, I wanna pray. So why don't you raise your hand because I wanna pray for you right now. Nice and high if you don't mind. Awesome. 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 So whether you're in, here in person or online, if you raised your hand, <clears throat> you can put it down right now. And I'm just gonna pray out loud and I invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Man, I think about so many things. I talk to myself in so many ways, but today, right now, I wanna silence some of those voices. And I come before you right now, Jesus, and I thank you that I am loved. Thank you that you died on the cross so that I can move past my past. I give you my baggage, I give you my regrets, and I move on. Thank you for a fresh start. And Jesus, thank you that you rose again. I just pray that you give me the strength to live, 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 to really live. And for every single person here, every single person watching online, Jesus, I pray that that would come to define us. Jesus, I know you, but I wanna get to know you better. I wanna get to know you better. I wanna experience your life more, your light more, your revelation more, your plan, your power more. Thank you, in your name, amen, amen. Let's celebrate, you guys.
So last week I asked Leah to close us with a song. It's real powerful. So if you don't mind kind of staying to the end, that would be amazing. It's just a song of remembrance that Jesus loves you. (laughs) Isn't that funny, by the way? Some of us learned that when we were like three years old. But we're going to spend the rest of our lives really, really owning it. Jesus loves you. You're the one he loves. And this song is just a chance to reflect on that. He wants to speak to you. He wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. So you're going to remain seated for this time and just allow him to speak. Get away, get away. 
this week and for myself that, you know, we would get away, that we would go to Jesus, that we would know that he's there, that he takes us just as we are and he loves us just as we are. So I'm praying for you guys this week. Take care. And we'll see you again next Sunday. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.